Welcome. <laughs> uh, like I said, uh, today we have another special guest, uh, Jim Gabriel. It's really weird actually saying Jim Gabriel because uh, <laughs> Jim is actually my uncle. Um, he's my uncle, business partner, um, consigliere. <laughs> uh, so yeah, to kind of give a little bit of background on Jim, and that is, it's like super weird saying that. So like, if I catch myself in the episode, <laughs> it's okay. You know, uh, that's why. But uh, Jim runs a company called Mod Logic. They're a modular construction company, and he's kind of here today on the Bike Club podcast to talk about con tech or construction technology. Um, so if you want to just introduce yourself, kind of tell a little bit about your story, how you got to where you are, and how you got into modular construction. Sure. Yeah. Um, it is weird. So we'll get that out of the way, but, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome, uh, opportunity. So thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I've, I've been in modular construction, you know, for the better part of 30 years. I, I used to be 25 years and, and, and holding, but I've, I've finally relented and said now it's 30. Just makes me feel really old, but, um, Modular, I worked for GE back in, in, in the 90s and it was really, you know, um, the, con, you know, construction trailer business. And, um, I always saw it as something that was progressive in terms of a method of construction. I didn't really, nobody taught me that, but I saw it as something that, um, provided, um, uh, you know, companies like GE at the time with the ability to be able to provide, um, uh, commercial space faster, more cost effectively. And, um, so on those two, you know, factors, you know, faster, less expensive, generally are more cost effective. Um, my thought was this is, there's something here, right? Something that's commercially viable that, 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 you know, people will want more of faster, more cost effective, um, uh, deployment of space, both temporary and, and, uh, and permanent. And, um, so GE was a, was a GE modular space was a, a temporary, uh, building company. And I didn't really, it wasn't something that interests me. I always wanted to sort of take the application of this, this method and apply it to permanent construction. So, um, flash forward, uh, I, I've, I've, uh, I, I, um, became the owner of Mod Logic in almost, a, well, actually more than, a little more than a year ago, um, and have, um, really sort of, you know, taken a company that was really experienced at what they do and sort of, you know, sort of with a long history. Um, but not very well known and, and, and sort of no longer on the edge of mod commercial modular building, um, construction technology. They developed a process, a unique process, a build together process that hadn't really, um, evolved into something that was, that integrated, um, more, you know, construction technology. And, 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 uh, and then eventually, you know, automation, which is what we're, we're, we're working towards. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to maybe explain for our listeners just a little bit about like, cause you guys have a big warehouse over in Lancaster, yeah. Lancaster, whatever the proper pronunciation yeah. is. Um, and it, 
those modular pieces, I think, from my standpoint, is super interesting because they are kind of placed almost like puzzle pieces, right? Sure. But you, you guys design and produce the actual puzzle pieces. You don't do the physical construction, correct? We do. We, we do both. Right. And so, so we were designed assist. So, so that warehouse, we like to affectionately refer to it as a manufacturing facility, but it's okay. Um, so, so, um, we're, we, we have a modular manufacturing facility in, in New Holland, Pennsylvania. And it is, um, it's about 60,000 square feet of manufacturing space. We don't produce everything in our facility. Lots of, of projects, large scale projects. Some some of the um, we just completed up up about a sixty five thousand square foot elementary school project that was too big to fit in our facility. So we'll build parts and pieces. But to your answer your question, we 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 design. So we're design assist. So we'll work with an architect um, to design to take a conventional plan and modularize it, modularize it. Modularizing it means that we'll break it down into modules that we can ship over the road. So everyone in, in our business, in this space, whether it's residential modular or commercial modular, the, 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 the dimensional parameters are all the same because you can only ship something so wide and so long and so tall over the road. So we take that, um, that sort of uh, uh, modularization um, uh, you know, step further and apply it to, to um, um, most people understand modular construction on the residential side, and it's usually either one module, which is a manufactured home typically, or two modules. Three modules might be a, mod a modular home. We take a, a, modular, a facility and we'll break it down into 100 modules, 300 modules, depending on the size of the building. And um, so, yeah, so we'll, we'll help design it. We'll produce the steel-framed um, boxes, and everything we build is, is steel, steel and concrete. And then we will um, we'll fabricate. We'll take those steel-framed boxes, and we'll bolt them together horizontally, horizontally and vertically, and then it becomes a conventional project from there. Take it to a high degree of completion, interior and exterior finishes, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing systems, and then we take it apart and we ship it to the site and then we reassemble it. That's actually super cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's just, so you had mentioned, and it's a different way of like, I guess, traditional construction, but you had mentioned that um, when the first company started, that was GE Modular. Yeah. Um, you said it was more cost effective and more efficient. You know, I'm assuming it's become more efficient, but it's still more cost effective. You know, is that the main reason for going, you know, kind of the modular route is because of cost or is it more just an efficiency thing to kind of quickly get it assembled? Yeah. You know, the, the, so the cost thing is, is it's more the cost. It, it's more of an equation, right? As opposed to it's cheaper to build modular, right? The prevailing um, understanding um, or perception of modular is that it's cheaper. It's, it's not. It can be more cost effective depending on the relative cost of labor. Um, and it can also be more efficient depending on how standardized the product is. We build a custom version um, which takes conventional materials and as I just described, you know, a, a 
brings them into an assembly process. So it's the same materials, same materials, same labor. Um, what we do is we, we're more efficient in how we um, execute the work because we're not subject to, to weather delays and, and, and issues that happen typically on site. Right, so we're taking the big portion of that work offsite, and we're controlling the variables that can impact cost. So, so we don't necessarily say that we're less expensive, but we are more cost certain, um, if that makes sense. So, so of, of, I think McKinsey did a study of of um, uh, of projects, commercial projects over ten million dollars. Um, the average cost increase is between 28 and 36%. That's because of all those variables, design changes, weather issues, things that you don't have a lot of control over. In the modular fabrication process, the design has to stop, right? That's where most of the changes come from. So we have to stop design and then we have to go to production. Conventionally, it's, well, let's get it to a certain point and then they can get started on site and we can get the GC go on it. And then we'll make all these other decisions along the way. And then those decisions change and they get bigger and more elaborate or whatever, right? And then the, the owner-driven changes can impact cost. So it's more cost-efficient. It's a more cost-certain path to take for certain types of projects. That's actually super interesting because um, construction, and like especially what you just described there, is very similar to what we do at ADSAP with like our kind of project planning. And figuring out like, you know, uh, a fixed price for a certain project and, you know, the whole like change orders, you know, design chains. And, but the one thing that we don't have is that variable of like, you know, you know, uh, a project being delayed or changed because of weather. I, I didn't, that is honestly probably one of the best selling points. I, didn't, I never thought of that for like, you know, kind of your industry there. Cause we don't run into that issues at AdSEP where like, you know, we have delay, sure, but it's usually because of like, you know, holidays or, you know, uh, you run into an issue trying to solve some sort of algorithm or, or, or software problem or, or bug fix, but you don't run into like those unknown weather delays or like, you know, things like that. So that's a super interesting part. And do you, have you seen like the technology, this modular technology kind of improve that? Um, and like how, I guess, like how practical is like how, like, what are the limitations? I guess is my biggest question. Like, sure. if you're, if you have to take everything offsite, you know, and you're in this this uh, not a warehouse, but you called it a manufacturing <laughs> a, a manufa- manufacturing facility. Um, what are the limitations? Like, it's something that you can you can't do because you're building offsite now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, limitations are mostly dimensional, right? And so, um, you know, I, I was I was building convenient modular convenience stores in the late '90s and early 2000 um, when they were a simple, you know, mobile or BP gas station. Uh, it was an accessory, right? They were selling gas, and then they also sold convenience store type products: bread, milk, eggs, cigarettes, right? So it was a simple building, and then sheets came along, and 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 others. Um, started building larger, um, more grand um, facilities that had these big, wide open spaces and large open areas. And, and I mentioned earlier, we have dimensional parameters that don't allow us to build tall, wide open spaces. So the modules are 
are limiting, and then the size, uh, the module sizes are limiting, and then there's only so much we can build, we can ship over the road. So some of the most limitations are are are, are dimensional, um, but some applications just don't make a lot of sense, right? A big open warehouse, like a prefabricated or a pre-engineered steel building, we get a lot of requests for that, um, but it's just wide open space, right? So we would literally be shipping air instead of, you know, a complete, you know, medical facility or a complete um, retail facility. Uh, so, so, you know, the limitations are dimensional. Some of the limitations are circumstantial. Sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense to build offsite. So what we work with our clients is, is, is helping them understand and candidly helping us understand when we bring value to, to a project. And it's usually when those, those, those limitations can, can, you know, press the, the, the boundary of what the budget can support. Right. So we can build big, grand, you know, stack modules on top of modules. But in the end, does it make a lot of sense financially? And does it are we solving a, a problem that maybe doesn't exist? If we're just competing against conventional construction and it's a dollar for dollar um, sort of evaluation. Listen, you can get I used to when I started doing this, it was, yeah, you can get the work if you can be competitive with conventional construction. Well, if I can be competitive with conventional construction, I have more business than I to do with. It's really the circumstances that create the opportunity for us to be able to leverage all the benefits of modular, a, a, a hospital that has to get that, that, that needs to increase capacity to see more patients to, to improve the ability for, for, the, for, you know, a, a healthcare organization to, to, to improve patient care. Um, a modular solution. And we do lots of healthcare types of applications for that reason. Speed to market. We can get, get it there faster. Um, and we have probably more than most the, the ability to be able to take a customized approach uh, to building. So it's, it's limitations are, are, um, can be based on budget. It can be based on the dimensional, you know, sort of limitations, but it's, it's circumstantial as to when modular makes the best sense for offsite construction. Cool. Cool. So kind of going off of that, you know, um, I think at least myself, you know, I don't want to speak for other people, but when you think of modular construction, you know, these, all these, uh, what do you call them? Prefabbed mm -hmm. kind of pieces. It, it seems to tie to technology. I mean, those, you know, we can talk about the software that's going to help design the layouts and all the different things like that. Um, I'm sure there's technology that helps figure out how those pieces are deconstructed into, you know, smaller pieces to be shipped. Um, but in this episode, I kind of wanted to touch upon something that you had informed inform me about maybe a year ago, uh, this topic of ContTech. And for the listeners who don't know what ContTech is, it's construction technology. So it's this idea of software kind of being ingrained or technology being ingrained in the construction industry and how that kind of improves construction as a whole. And I think that if the industry that you're in, the modular construction industry, is kind of leading the way in that. Um, you know, uh, I know, I don't know if you want to share some of your ideas, but I know you've sure. brought up to me different ideas around, uh, different kind of technology or software that could help improve the modern construction industry world. And, um, you know, just kind of change, like in my opinion, change the way people 
build things or how contractors would interact with and, and you know, build different things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so construction technology is, you know, so modular construction, at least in my view, is, is the output of construction technology, right? It's not construction technology like some people may think of it. You know, it's a method of construction. So some people may see that as, wow, modular construction is really, you know, a, 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 a technological improvement over, uh, of conventional construction, right? But it's, it's a method of construction that's really driven by, and it's no different than, than, uh, you know, it's the same technology that today, at least, is, is driving improvements in, in, in conventional construction. It means methods. It's really methods. It's really, you know, digitizing process. So when you do that, you now have the ability to be able to and you know this better than I do, right? It's all about the inputs, right? It's the, you know, you're coding, right? You're putting the, you're, you're, you're inputting the code. So you're designing something and then you're taking that, you're digitizing that, right? You're taking your client's wants, needs, taking that into a project plan. Now you can digitize that into something that your software, whether it's, you know, Apple, Android, whatever it is, can interpret and output, right? It's the same thing that we do. And that, that, and what's driving construction and the improvement in construction and, and not just, um, you know, speed, efficiency and cost, but, um, you know, uh, the, all the environmental things that can, ha- all the, the, the you know, construction activities that can have an impact on the environment, right? And so, but it starts with the digital inputs, right? What, what the digital inputs for us is BIM, you know, building information uh, modeling. So, so our, most of our work is done in Revit and BIM and, and, and then that becomes, um, and, and I'll give you a good example of it. We're, we're, so that becomes what we then take, you know, we, it's the foundation of our process. Candidly, you know, our process in building is still fairly, it's decidedly unautomated, but we're working toward, 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 um, improving our processes, both, both the, the, the physical, the digital process, physical processes translates to digital process that, that can now have that can now be inputted into a machine, mm-hmm. a welding machine, which we're, we're, we're working to, to, to add to our, our process on the front end, um, a, um, um, a, a, you know, any sort of, you know, um, you know, we're technology. Um, we're looking to add, um, light gauge metal roll forming machines. So machines that will, produce the metal studs, the metal um, building studs and components that we will then build our buildings with, right? But it all starts with BIM. The, the, the inputs from the design have to be consistent with what that machine will um, accept. And so, so that's, you know, and, and, and so a lot of people kind of confuse construction technology with robotics and automation, right? Robotics and automation come from the digital inputs software that allows the physical to be to be transferred into or translated into something that can can be produced automatically. Gotcha. 
And that's super interesting to me because in my world, in the software world, you know, you talk about inputs and them being reusable to kind of, you know, this, this process, you know, this, this process you have of, you know, manufacturing these different modular parts through this different, through this process. Um, and the thing that's so interesting to me and how that relates to my world with software is that we're very big on having reusable components. Like think of a login screen for a website, mobile app. You know, the, yeah, every app or software you use has a different login screen. It might look, this, you know, different, but the inputs are all the same. Username, password, email, password. And being able to reuse those components is very important to kind of streamline and automate and make that process more efficient. So, you know, when you, when you talk about that, it almost reminds me of, you know, the, the software world. I see a lot of parallels. Um, now, the only difference is I think we produce a digital product where you produce a, a physical product that's put out into the world. Um, and so one of the things I kind of want to ask you about, I'm kind of, you know, curious about too, is in my world with software, you know, there's a lot of regulations around, um, you know, IP rights, data protection laws, you know, uh, COPA laws, you know, that we, that clients and customers have to abide by. Um, but again, this is a digital world, you know, and in your world, you're building a physical product, you know, kind of, again, reusing these inputs as you, as you put it, BIM or BIM. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious, you know, how does that line up with um, kind of thing update with different like uh, building codes and stuff like that? Like, yeah, know, is that all automated? Like that, ha- in my opinion, that has to be able to improve that process now because it's you. You know, I know you had mentioned it's still a very labor intensive process, but all those inputs kind of have to drive automation and efficiency along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hit on the, the, the challenge of, of, you know, full on automation of, of, uh, of construction, um, even in a, a particular, um, you know, category or sector, you know, multifamily housing, right? The biggest challenge we have is, 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 is providing affordable housing, excuse me, all across the country. Um, but it's, the limitate that the challenge is is that you can't just produce mass produce um, uh, modular buildings um, with uh, you know without having to consider code compliance for a particular area, right? And so you could do that if you say, "Listen, we're just going to build for." you know, the state of New York and, um, you know, and narrow that down to, um, you know, New York City, right? Which, believe me, you could make a good business just producing that, right? But there's lots of, of, of challenges there too. Um, but it's a, um, a challenge. Now, there, 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 there are efforts to, in the International Building Code, um, you know, standards and things like that to, to be able to minimize that. But you're really, you know, codes and code compliance is a regional thing, right? And so you can't, I can't, I couldn't build a, a, a you know, a, a building um, and, you know, without, uh, you know, ship it to California without making certain that that building is going to meet, meet codes, right? We have lots of clients who say, listen, I want to build 20 of these, these, these retail buildings and I want to be able to deploy them anywhere in the U.S. Not very cost effective because I would have to build that for the highest seismic, the highest wind load, the highest you know code standards, and you couldn't afford it. 
because most places wouldn't need a building that is coded for California to be, you know, to, to ship it to Pittsburgh or to, to place it in Pittsburgh. And so that's, that's a bit of the challenge is the code, co-compliance. But it's, it's, you know, there are other agencies that regulate UL and, and other agencies that regulate the, the approval of certain components. So there is a level of standardization you can get to. Um, it just doesn't allow you to just, you know, um, with, with, you know, a, a high degree of, of, of certainty, um, mass produce, you know, buildings that can be sited anywhere. This might be a dumb question, but in terms of like, so this is my biggest gripe right now is the place where I live. There's, you know, it's finished construction, but some of the amenities are not open because of, you know, they're waiting for the inspection to pass all building codes or whatever whatever it may be. Um, These modular pieces, are they inspected prior to being shipped or are they only inspected once they're uh, constructed at the location. Yeah, great question, and it's it is unique to what we do um, because every every state, every city, every county has their local building um, approval process co-compliant officer, and and so <clears throat> jurisdictional um, requirements. And so we use a third party approval. So some states have a a modular program. You have to get modular builders have to be certified to to be able to build and. Um, and, but we use a third party agency that, that will inspect on behalf of, um, the agency having jurisdiction. So, um, it, it, you know, we just cited some buildings here in Pittsburgh and, and <laughs> just had a conversation about, uh, we're deficient in, in, in a few things because they're not used to the process. We have a third party that they're not 100%. You know, so there's still some 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 challenges with that, but but for the most part, we are able to meet those co-compliant requirements, and a lot of that happens digitally, right? So so we're capturing. So so you can't just stop. So we have a production process. That production process has to have a start and an end, and that's the efficiency that comes in. We talked about earlier, right? And 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 so it has to have a start and an end. We can't stop it to have an inspector from Allegheny County or wherever, New York, fly down. So the third party helps us with that. But they're not always available in a minute's notice to people. So we capture a lot, you know, digitally. Um, and we have, um, we, we, you know, we have, um, and it's all, you know, part of their their uh, their process. But, you know, construction technology is, 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 you know, even though we aren't highly automated, construction technology is, is a solid part of our our production process so where do you see in like i guess the current state of the world and then you know kind of future state of the world in the you know i mean world i mean when i say world i mean the construction industry where do you see construction tech really being the biggest game changer you know, is it in these inputs or like in the in modern construction? Is there in other ways that you see? It being well, I think it's it's in the ability to be able to reduce you know the the, the labor component because everyone has. I mean, modular construction isn't new, right? Prefabricated offsite construction isn't something that just came along. Some people believe that, right? I've been doing it for thirty years, but it's the the economics that's really driving the 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 importance of it and the impact of it, right? Labor. Um, the reduction in labor, availability of labor means fewer contractors, um, fewer subcontractors. Those contractors are taking on more work. 
Um, and so these projects are being, more projects are being done by fewer contractors and they're taking longer, right? So, so construction technology, contact is having an impact on that, will have an even greater impact on that. It's, you know, candidly, it's entrepreneurs like you who are, who are looking at opportunities to be able to, to participate in that. Um, because it's, 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 um, there's, there's no limit to it. Um, it's not something, um, it's like, you know, computers, uh, were in the, you know, in the, the, the you know, early, you know, mid seventies to, to, to early eighties, right. It was, it was starting out and people weren't a hundred percent sure how this was going to impact, you know, life and culture and, 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 and personal and had no idea how it was going to uh, uh, impact personal productivity to the point that it does today with, 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 from, you know, this gigantic, you know, supercomputer to, to the, the, the handheld version of that. Um, I think construction technology and construction is moving in, and, and, you know, in a similar way to improve the ability to be able to, to not just produce, but manage, you know, the built environment, um, be able to improve the ability to, um, you know, make changes, adjustments. Um, there's all kinds of things, um, you know, when we are in, in the process of, some project we're working on that have a requirement, it's called a digital twin, right? And so we're building, we're, we're designing and building, you know, the, the, the physical and the digital version for future, you know, uh, future reference. Yeah, so that's super interesting. So, you know, for our listeners that on, on this show who are entrepreneurs and kind of, you know, are listening to this show because they might have a software technology idea that, that they might want to take from idea to product to market, would you say that there, you know, obviously I think you would agree that there is definitely a space uh, in that realm for construction technology. So, you know, if you could give an entrepreneur advice around the construction industry and how to kind of, you know, develop a product for the construction industry, what advice would you give them and what, you know, what kind of route would you kind of push them towards it? Like, you know, for an example, say, hey, you know, maybe it makes sense that I think you should focus on building technology or software that solves problem A or problem B. Do you have any insights or advice? For yeah, that? I mean, I would say, you know, just, you know, your, your question reminds me of a, of a, of a, of a, um, a, a graphic that I saw at a conference, a construction conference that McKinsey produced, right? And, I, and, and this will resonate with entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are looking for, for opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, so, and this is roughly what the, the, um, the, um, the graph displayed that over the, the last hundred years in three specific, um, industries, the pace, the, the productivity based on automation, um, over, uh, in, in, um, the, in car manufacturing was, um, so what technology did to improve their productivity was 800%, right? 800% increase over the last 100 years in productivity uh, because of technology. In agriculture, right, I think it was something like 600%, right? What do you think construction was? 1,000%? <laughs> I that. Six. Six percent. 
6%. So the pay, so technology and the improvement in the productivity in construction was somewhere like 6 to 8%, right? Wow. In other words, huge opportunity for entrepreneurs. And and that's already being impacted. I think that survey um and I can I'll, I'll I'll send you that, right? I'll find it and send it. You can share it with your with your your uh, your listeners because it's it's that's where the opportunity is. That's where the opportunity is. And that's kind of crazy to think about because like I don't know, this is going to be a little bit off topic, but I am super, super interested in like the, the Egyptians and the Mayans, how they would build some of those pyramids and stuff like that. And today, like I, I always tell people, um, you know, if I, my ideal va- vacation is not necessarily going to the beach. Now, you're aware I don't, I don't like the beach, um, but I like going to places like Disney World or Chicago, New York City, because I like seeing the things that humans built it's incredible to me like the the skyscrapers in new york or in chicago it's incredible it's incredible to me that humans built this um and i kind of had this view in my mind that we've evolved so well over the years in like producing buildings in, in the construction industry but it seems like really there's a huge opportunity to improve that process the processes don't seem to be fully functioning yet no, fully i would say efficient. yeah i would say just based on what you described Go sit. Go go down to uh, to um, near the arena where they're building. They're building a, a tall the FMB center. Go sit in that park and watch that construction process. You would you would wonder why we haven't evolved further now. And I don't want to disparage because I I, I actually know there are some really cool things that they're doing there. Um, but it's still very conventional. And if you're, you know, um, you're, you know, and, and, and I mean, that's, you know, the subtle impact of the construction technology to have, you really, you know, some kids don't know it, but just watch a typical construction project anywhere in the country. And then I'll show you a modular construction project that either we did or that, um, uh, you know, one of our our um, our, our competitors um, produced, um, and or somebody from our industry. I don't I don't really consider um, uh, anyone a competitor, but um, people in our industry are really good at what they do, and 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 how fast buildings go up. Um, you would be more you would be more 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 impressed, and frankly, more hopeful that, that maybe we have. You know, we, yeah, there's hope for the human race. And, and, and we've, 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 we've somehow tapped into this, this, this ancient, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, um, you know, technology that, that the Egyptians, you know, figured out a long time ago. But, um, we're, we're, we're now, you know, maybe, you know, moving and finally, you know, back again in the right direction. Maybe that's how they did it, the Egyptian thing. It was all modular. It's all modular. Built it off-site. It's probably the first example of off-site construction. Um, <laughs> and maybe soon they'll, they'll discover that the, the, uh, the cave that they built those, uh, those, you know, bodge, those pyramid modules in. Right, exactly. That'd, that'd be cool. cool. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, it kind of makes a little bit of sense because they always talk about, like, you know, the, you know like how would you carry this big stone, you know, up this mountain or get it up in the air without any technology. Maybe it was modular. <laughs> yeah, and maybe they're maybe they're maybe they're they're not that heavy. Maybe they're maybe they're hollow inside. Maybe. Did anybody check that out? No, I don't I, I don't know. I don't think anybody has. 
these are the real questions that the world leaders need to discuss. Um, but yeah, so before we wrap up this episode, uh, usually the last question I like to ask uh, guests on the show is a lot of our listeners, of course, are entrepreneurs, business owners. They're either starting a new business or they have a business and they want to kind of, you know, automate their business or digitize their business. Or if they're an entrepreneur, they want to take their idea, their software product idea or mobile app idea from idea to product to market. So like I said earlier, I consider you my consigliere, my trusted advisor. If it wasn't for you, I don't know that I would have kind of met the connections or built the network that I have today to kind of help me get my ideas off the ground. So if you can give one word of advice to young entrepreneurs or business owners, what would you tell them? Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it, right? You have, you had a great idea. All I did was say, you know, give you some encouragement and maybe much to your, your parents' uh, dismay, uh, you know, decided uh, to, uh, to uh, go off on your own, which, which I, I, I think is awesome and I, I could be more proud of you. But um, don't overthink it, right? People who are entrepreneurs um, have a have something that they're very good at. What they don't think they know enough of is how to run a business, right? All I did was surround you with people who knew how to do the things that you didn't know how to do, right? So, um, and you're doing things you've never done before, right? You're networking. You're not just networking. You're creating your own networking events, which that's right out of my playbook, right? Don't just participate, coordinate, right? Be the leader that you need to be for you and your, and your business, and, and good things will happen. Um, but simply don't overthink it, because you could overthink your, 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 your way out of it. It's just not that complicated. It really isn't. And believe me, I'm living proof. If I could do it, <laughs> anybody can. Anybody can. Well, that's good. I think that's some great advice. Obviously, I appreciate it. You've been a huge help. And uh, Jim, I hate, I, can't, I hate saying that. But... <laughs> so Uncle Jim, yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I think our listeners are going to greatly benefit from this. And uh, for all you listeners out there, um, I highly encourage you to check out ModLogic. It's a great company. Um, check out the modular construction industry and uh, get more familiar with Contech because as we discussed here today, I think there's a huge opportunity uh, in that world to help improve construction. So... Thanks again, and uh, hope to have you back for another time. Anytime. You're the best. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Thanks again.